And we have to be a little humble before we approach, you know, a very complicated, rich uh, tradition that spans you know millennia and culture and context, etc. So that helps me, I think, move forward in good faith because I'm not really looking to win. Uh, people want my perspective. Sure, I'll share it with you. And listen, yeah. you don't have to agree. That's totally fine. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Victor Mark Show. I always say I have a special guest uh, because they're all special, but this, I will say, is going to be the first show I've done with a full-on antagonist dude that i met online that i hope we can square him away people he <laughs> is i've called him a whiner i've 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 i just need help with this dude he is uh tim whitaker a force to be reckoned with tim welcome to the show <laughs> thank you thank you for having me i really appreciate it <laughs> I'm going to keep you off balance for as long as I can because I'm I'm pretty acutely aware your IQ is higher than mine. So Oh, I don't I, know about that. I, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> my now my father had an IQ of 185 and wow. he was tested twice at Stanford. He was actually a, a genius, but when it came time for me, I think I was on the different end, the shallow end of the gene pool for that. <laughs> but uh okay, so today folks, uh I will say this Tim is I would consider a young man who's evangelical who started and helped pioneer a movement called the New Evangelical Babies. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. We are the New Evangelical Babies, and we whine a okay. lot. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so outwardly, if you would see this guy's post, most of you who subscribe and follow – uh, this channel or to my show, which is on pray.com. We just crossed 200,000 subscribers just on that venue. And we have the others. It's so I appreciate y'all. But if, if you, if you were to look at his Instagram page, which is, what is it? The new evangelicals. Ugh, I cringe <laughs> giving it out, but I have to people I'm fair and balanced. You, you, you will see stuff that just makes you go, oh, my gosh, really? And yet, I watched enough of them to where I said, huh, don't agree with them on a lot, but you're articulate, you're, you're thoughtful. I think you're intellectually honest, which matters to me, even if someone's wrong, right, which I've been wrong plenty of times. Uh, and you like civil discourse, so folks, that's why I want to have Mr. Tim Whitaker on the program. So, welcome <laughs> again. I appreciate that. And, and for the record, I sincerely do try to be as intellectually honest as possible, even though we all have our biases, and I do have mine. Of course, we're all human. Um, yeah. And I will say that, like you, I really am always down for good faith dialogue. I've talked to many folks on my own podcast who don't agree with me, um, you know, and we have civil uh, engagement. I think that's very important going forward. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, it means a lot that you would, you know, take a chance on me. So thanks. You're welcome. You <laughs> know, it's it's I'm I'm thrilled to. I talked to a number of people who I said, hey, why don't you why don't you debate this guy? He's you know he's pretty heady, knows what he believes, and I had. I have to admit, I had a, a few pastors go, no way. Don't mess with that guy. He's a waste of time. I mean, and I was like, okay, do you really mean that? Or are you afraid of this dude for civil uh, You know, are you just so agitated with them? And sometimes we just are, right? We're like, I don't have time for that. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, again, I think this is going to be good. So, folks, please stick around. Uh, this is going to be fun. I am going to find out. The first thing I want to do with our guest is find out if he's triggered. Because he's a, what are you? A, are you a Gen Z or P? I am or 30, what is I'm 34, that? so I'm a, I'm a millennial. Um, oh, millennial. I have two kids under two. So I'm kind of in like the middle of the millennial pack uh, okay. age-wise. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so I got to find out if you're triggered by things. Let's get this started. <laughs> does Let's go. This, I'm ready. Does this trigger you? It does immensely. I How could you show me that without giving me a trigger warning, Victor? Okay. I did give you a trigger warning. See? Be honest. <laughs> it's on film. Does this, you got me. Does this trigger you? Oh, wait. Here we go. Uh, it's a little bit more aggressive. Oh, is, wait. Is that a Leonidas hat, though? It is. The, I am. I'm part Greek, and I'm a big fan of 300, so this does not trigger me that much. I'm a Leonidas fan. I'm being honest. I I want to give you a hug right now. I just <laughs> want to give you a hug and a safe space. All right. Um, Thank you. How, how, about, how about this? Oh, boy. My my staff doesn't even know I'm doing this. So, folks, please. Does Kit make you what? nervous? Is that a, a a bulletproof vest? Yeah, we call it. Uh, yeah, body armor. Yeah, I'm nervous for you, not for me. You're the one wearing it. <laughs> someone trying is someone trying to attack you? Are you under threat? Oh, Blink brother. twice, Victor, if you're okay. <laughs> Blink twice. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually got mags and bullets. These are called bullets in your world. And I grew uh, up around guns, so that does not trigger me. Damn you, Tim. <laughs> I'm pulling out my best. I'm sorry. Wait, am I supposed to end end this conversation and say, "Oh my god, I'm so triggered." End the conversation so you can do this for clickbait? Is that is that how this is supposed yeah, to work? Yeah, or crawl into a fetal position and suck my, your thumb or something. My bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Well, then I'm not even going to show you my pump shotgun because that might just motivate you. Forget it. Okay, yep. so, folks, we're, we're cutting through some of the stereotypes. And uh, the last thing I was going to see triggered you is this, a Bible. Does a Bible trigger you? I don't think so, Victor. I got one right here. Oh, oh, okay. So, all right, so... So we are starting to understand what we agree on, and before we discuss maybe what we don't, and, sure. and um, so on on a biblical basis, still, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? So here's the problem with that question for me. I'm being honest. That statement is too loaded. It depends okay. on what part of the Christian tradition you ask. You know, um, I mean, N.T. Wright um, or or many other theologians would not argue that the goal is heaven, that the goal is a renewed creation. That's not liberal. That's just that's Christian thinking. So so I I am always it comes across coy. I'm not trying to be, but I I I, I do take my faith seriously, and I'm I'm personally convinced that the goal long term uh, is a renewed creation where where God dwells among his his creation uh, and we co-rule together i'm really drawing from an organization called the bible project that's who i really get a lot of my theology from these days they're really pretty consistent really beautiful deep bible nerds so i would say that that ultimately all things are reconciled through christ um ultimately at the end of the day um and that we have a a renewed world um you know long term now i don't think i don't think that's gonna happen in my lifetime but I think as a Jesus follower, I have an obligation to represent Jesus on earth and to do my, my part to bring heaven to earth. I see what you did just there, Tim. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm up on all your fancy college theological language. I didn't even bring, go to college, Victor. Bring it down. Years. Bring it down, okay? I told you to be nice to me on my own show. I'm sorry. All right, so folks – uh, another thing, as many of you know, I'm not here. This is not a debate. This is a, uh, for me, this is a reconnaissance mission to find out what Tim believes so that my audience of hundreds of thousands of people can better understand a strong following. And, well, let me ask you, how many people do you think fall in your camp of the new evangelical or, you know, they feel burnt by the church. They have heartburn or, you know, hutburn. What? How many people do you think are out there in your age group? I, 
I mean, David Gushy, who's a theologian on this, he estimates between um, five to 15 million people who are what, what we might say in a more general term are disenfranchised with the current state of evangelical church. There's a lot of reasons why that happens. Um, and some people take the exit ramp out of the Christian tradition completely, and others say, actually, I just want to leave the basement of evangelicalism and explore the house of Christian thinking. I land more in that latter camp of I'm still committed to Jesus. In fact, I would argue my commitment to Jesus led me out of where I grew up and how I was raised uh, to find Jesus in a more holistic and healthy way. Um, still firmly committed to the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I'm still committed to all the orthodox beliefs that the Nicene Creed would say committed to all those things. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as my own tradition, I would say I'm pretty out of that, that, that room, so to speak. And I've walked into other spaces that I just find more compelling. You're making this more and more difficult for me to call you backslidden prodigal that needs to repent. All right, let's continue. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so, so, I've got a lot of people listening right now that's going, did he just say something about the evangelicals? God bless America. (laughs) Punch him in his face, Victor. Punch him right in his nose. Sure. So here's what I believe, and this is where we agree. There's a lot of nonsense there has been in the evangelical world. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the machine of ministry. I'll say pastors becoming the princes of their church, uh, no accountability because a board doesn't mean you're accountable. It means you've stacked it with guys that won't agree. Uh, you know my hot topic and where I'm passionate is children or people being abused within yeah. the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's been an untouchable organization or how in approach to ministry that almost became incestuous with within its ranks different sex but one major deal that you don't tell you don't talk and then they back it up with scripture of don't cause dissension don't so so this is where me and you i was like oh gosh yeah we're on the same page a different we may come to different ends of approaches and that's mm-hmm. okay because one day you'll learn how right i am <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, do you agree with all that so far a thousand percent yeah couldn't, I, I couldn't agree more i mean even before um i uh, quote unquote you know uh left that space although i, I would i would argue i was kind of forced out but that's for a different discussion even back in the day when i was 18 and, and you know 20 and fully committed to those spaces i had the the same critiques as you you know that it's uh you know this i i believe that ultimately and i'm speaking with a broad brush there's always exceptions yeah, to every rule yeah, we all understand yeah. that but you know the evangelical culture the mega church culture that a lot of us maybe have been a part of at some point in our life is more event centered than community centered and they're more focused on the, the the numerical growth. And usually what happens a lot of times is one or two people become the face of the organization. And then when there's problems or there's legitimate abuse, you know, as you and I both know about, those people are usually protected at the expense of the victims. And to me, that is what I would call and I, I don't mean this in the, in the provocative sense, just in the literal sense. I see it as an antichrist perspective. It's not the way of Christ. It's anti you know, the approach that, that, that Christ would have. So I think a lot of people, um, including victims that I work with consistently in my spaces, uh, have these stories of like, I gave everything, I was devoted, this happened to me, and I was given Bible verses. You know, I'm causing division. There was no accountability. That leader is still in, is still in authority today. And so, yes, I completely agree with you. So do you think that in your world, in your space, as you say, there are many people that, well, they're just hurt. They're hurt from spiritual abuse. They're hurt from uh, some of the realities. That's what motivates them uh, to where they don't want to fall from faith, but they want to they want to come at it differently. It, would you say that's fair? I would say that in my experience, which is just experience, you know, this is still a newly kind of forming thing that we're all trying to make sense of this deconstruction term that we hear all about. 
But I would say, in my opinion, the people that I'm working with are having a crisis of theology, not a crisis of faith. Right. So, so they're not thinking if God does or doesn't exist, or they're not thinking about if Jesus was real or not. They already believe that. But what they were taught about what it means to be a Christian, what what the primary focuses were, how this Jesus person influences us to live as Christians, that is what they're having the crisis of theology about. How do we understand God in the Christian tradition? That I would say is the crux. And there's a lot of ways, a lot of paths, so to speak, to get there to that point. Um, you know, but but that I think is the crux for many of the people that I work with. Okay, and I would say the way that it's communicated is I hear a lot of pain in in at least the tone, uh, like almost that's that's some of the fuel. It's 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 pain. It's hurt, and I've learned don't don't you know don't the legitimate or don't push back someone's argument um because it's coming out of a place of pain try to hear what they're saying or i've told you know i've told people before uh, you're yelling so loud i really can't hear you right and that's why i said let's get together and talk about this to help people understand where y'all are coming from because um you're generation or this community which we know are millions are going to affect the future of the church and i think there's great potential if you know both sides kind of come to a middle place of understanding and realize maybe some of the positions on the friends that we don't agree on it's okay mm-hmm. you know let's mm-hmm. put it in the category of carpet versus wood floors yeah traditional yeah. worship versus <clears throat> guitars right but there's still a lost hurting world that needs jesus yes um i agree with a lot of that um i think it's important for maybe your audience to know that you know, if they go to my um, Instagram page or our Instagram page or our website or listen to our podcast, whatever, you know, they have to keep in mind that we're not critiquing the the capital C church because the church is massive. You have the Eastern Orthodox, right. you have the Catholics, the Baptists, the Protestants. We are we're critiquing the systems that we in 2022 America have mapped on to how the church organizes. So we have to think a level deeper than just, oh, they don't like the church. No, no, no. I I actually, I love the church so much that I started a nonprofit organization called the New Evangelicals trying to find better paths forward as Jesus people. What I don't love are these mega church and these corporate systems we've mapped on to how the church gathers that is causing a lot of pain. And more importantly, and I think this is the crux because people think often, well, you just want perfection. No, we would like accountability. We would like people just to take ownership and say, you know what, that was really wrong. And we have to, we have to fix whatever caused that to happen. And oftentimes in my space, what we see are leaders who have been, it's been, um, it's been documented their abuse and they're still teaching or another pastor brings them on stage to say, we have to give them grace. And listen, I'm all about grace. Okay. But I used to work at a major tech company. And if I abuse some of the workers, some of the way these pastors abuse the parishioners, doesn't matter how much I would say, I'm sorry, they would still fire me because there's still a yeah. consequence of you forfeited that position. You can still exist. You can function in society. We're not going to throw you in prison, but maybe we shouldn't give you the keys to a massive mega church, given your history. And for some yeah. people, it just seems like that's too much to ask. I think it's very reasonable. Yeah, I, it, to me, it's interesting that you use that, you know, comparison because there's so many professions that, you know, if you mess up, you're going to be shown the door. And it right. isn't this cheap grace of, well, you know, uh, and it doesn't seem, I mean, it seems like right now it takes a whole lot to get a pastor or leader, we'll just say pastor, held accountable for decisions. And um, and then typically it's too late. And then everybody turns on them at that point. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's caught. And he's going to face very severe consequences. Isn't this a time where y'all should kind of be 
still loving the dude because he's going to face prison or whatever. Uh, so that that's the weirdness. And you said you started this organization. It is a nonprofit. Uh, mm-hmm. When will you sell prayer cloths? Yeah, that's actually in development right now. Um, it'll be 1999. Good. So we're going to undercut Joel Olstein on the prayer cloth uh, game to hopefully sell Good. a little bit more than he does. So yeah, we're we're working on that. I yeah, want 100%. to. I I'll, actually, I'll, I'll give you a buy one get one. I'll give you a good deal. And sign it for me if <laughs> <Done>. you. Yeah, <laughs> I actually ordered one time. No, you. I've got five. I've got five kids. No, listen. I listen to me. I ordered super prayer healing oil. Listen, that don't judge me yet. Don't judge me yet. Okay. Your kids are young. I had three teenagers in my house at the same time and a wife who was going through menopause. And I just said, there, this is none of this is fair. One of my teenagers was just, I mean, just a holy smokes. And I remember going, okay, I was so desperate. We tried everything. And one night late, I was watching some TV show and they said, order this oil for rebellious children, put it in their laundry on their pillow. It will work. I was so desperate. (laughs) And it was free. Okay, it was free. First one's free. Don't you worry. So I ordered it. I poured it in the laundry on their pillow. I was like, I think I put some in their cereal. And I was like, Lord, do something with this kid. This kid (laughs) drove me crazy. Nothing happened. Nothing happened except <laughs> I got on those folks' mailing lists, and sure enough, it was a highlighted yellow and write a check. You know oh, what I did? I, I After about the third one, I took a big magic marker and said, it didn't work, you bunch of fakes, and sent it back. Can so, I add one thing to what you said earlier, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I want to be clear about something, too. What I'm not saying is that if a pastor may, does something bad, like says a curse word or, you know, or, 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 right. or is short with someone, they should be fired. We're talking about people who, I don't know, hire pedophiles on their staff and cover it up. And then when, when right. reports come out about it, don't respond to it and keep going like, 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 like nothing ever happened. The big difference right. between that. So, again, I try to be clear to your audience because they might not know me. I'm not saying if you make a mistake, you should be fired. I'm just saying it happens has to be appropriate and, and if i wouldn't trust my kids in your nursery because of who you hire on your staff i don't think you should be in leadership over a massive church organization again to me that's just pretty common it's it's common sense in my view yeah and uh, it, this is where we agree these are the big major things we agree on where like uh currently there's a in the news the rock church in san diego Miles oh McPherson, yes an mm-hmm. elder uh, who was ordained, and long story short, her husband worked for Border Patrol. Parents were involved. They had adopted two kids. I think it was two, two or three siblings. Anyway, one of them died uh, from malnutrition and beating and abuse, and of course, there's sexual stuff. Uh, and you know, I, somebody just today commented on my post and said. You know, they were trying to soften the whole deal by going, look, it's a mega church. You can't micromanage everybody. You know, why are you trying to hold them accountable? And I said, well, first of all, can we just first admit the Christian church in general doesn't have a gift of discernment operating much? If people really believe that's supposed to be a gift in the evangelical world, like common sense discernment? And second... This woman was ordained and an elder, and there were so many signs. Tell me that's not a part of leadership, and uh, I think they had responded, that the actual church, and said, we just took her down off our website, and she's no longer ordained. We've revoked ordination. I'm just like, but it's just what you said. There's such a covering. Ravi Zacharias. I knew oh. Ravi. We spoke at events together. Wow. Um, wow. A, a brilliant intellect. And a great communicator as an apologetist. And yet, we were one of the first ones to say, folks, do not start pushing back on this. Facts are coming out. Just consider the facts. And, man, we got hammered. We would probably get as hammered as equally as you of attacking someone. And I'm like, it's me, folks. I wow. I am the evangelical dude. <laughs> 
Right. It, 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 I, this is my tribe. Right. But he is a predator. If we put him into a camp of a sexual predator using his position of authority for spiritual abuse, it's him. And it wasn't until way later, at, you know, way later, that everybody's like, oh, gosh, I guess you were right. So what you and I are saying and we agree on, let's just start with the children. And, I mean, just let's protect our children that go to churches uh, because I know so many, and I'm sure you do too, they'll fill your ranks of young people that were compromised or abused under some type of evangelical church, you know, leadership function event. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and they're still hurting. They're still in pain. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, because abuse lasts a lifetime. If you don't get healed, and especially if it's not, you know, reconciled or acknowledged. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's time. And you tell me. You you tell me because I want to see if you agree with this. Because people say, well, Victor, you're exposing a lot, you and your guys' teams. I mean, we just did a sting operation with Homeland Security in Kansas City, a four-state office special agent. And this is our organization we're we're different. We're Christian. We're ministry in the U.S. We're NGOs overseas, but we yeah. hunt bad guys. And mm. um, I remember the special agent in charge. We have a task force. He just goes, "We couldn't be doing what we're doing right now without y'all's help." Hmm. And uh, we got a lot of super nerds on our team. Everybody thinks we're all knuckle draggers, and I'm like, huh. If if you knew some of the, you know, analysts we have that are hunting. So, but. Uh, they did a sting operation and uh, they informed us about a pastor that drove the church van to a hotel to have sex with a 14 year old girl. And he parked the van right in front of the hotel. Of course he got busted, but it's like, guys, do we have to wait that long? So people ask me, what can we do, Victor? And this is, this is my best advice and I'm going to interview an organization that does investigations for churches and organizations. But this is what I'm telling churches right now. And it's going to be sad and damning what I tell you as a result of it by one organization. But they said, this is what I'm telling people. You need to, and and I'll say this for any churches, you need to put in a polygraph exam for anyone that's going to work with children. One is a deterrent. Because if you've got a no a pedophile that's never been caught or someone that has minor attraction to kids or youth, they will not apply for a position, even as a volunteer. Because they know, oh, I'm subject to a polygraph? Yeah, there's very specific questions that'll be asked to find out if you have struggles and and if you have, you know. The second thing, uh, because that if you do a background check, Tim, it background they do background checks all the time. That mm. doesn't determine or expose if someone who's never been caught but is looking at child porn at home. And mm -hmm. then they find the softest target, which is a church, mm -hmm. and they want to work with minors or kids. So that's a reasonable, it's, it's a cost, but what a way to protect children. I talked to an organization uh, that, you know, we belong to a tribe and, and uh, for years, it's the Calvary Chapels. And I've got lots of friends and brothers in the Calvary, and a lot of them are doing it right. But I was told, Victor, as an organization, either side, either side of the Calvary because it got split, they will probably never institute that as governing organizations because, and this was a senior guy's words, there's too much dirt on a number of senior pastors. And I'm like, Okay, so you know what? I'd even be willing to say, well, if you know where the bodies are hidden, I don't care. But at least have the courage to say moving forward, we'll institute this for anybody that's working with children. Okay, the senior pastor committed adultery. Senior pastor, I don't care. Uh, that That's a different deal. Let's just focus on kids. We are required by God to protect children. So 
I don't know if those organizations will ever do it or Southern Baptist Convention or anybody, but I'll tell you, it's a reasonable, and, and a, th- this is the kickback, uh, pushback I get to him. It's like, well, Victor, you know, you can cheat those. and you can. I go, great. You pay for it. I'll put you under one. Let's see if you can cheat it. Yep. I mean, well, there are people, there are people who know how, you know, I go, there's an 80 something percent efficiency rate. Police detectives wouldn't use it. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, I'm sorry, the intelligence community to get a certain clearance. We wouldn't be using it in that realm. Uh, it, it, there's a place for it. So what say you, is that reasonable? Would that be reasonable? Listen, that's the first time I've ever thought of that based on what you presented to me on off the top of my head. It sounds very reasonable. Um, I think that, and you know, I want to, I want to preface that I grew up. I was homeschooled for nine years. I yeah, grew tell up very, tell us about your background. I really just want so, people to know. Okay, yeah, just so you all know, like where I come from, I was I grew up in a very loving family. I have great parents. They were wonderful people. They got saved when they were eighteen, and they got saved into more like conservative fundamentalist spaces. Think like John MacArthur type of theology, etc. And that's how I grew up. You know, homeschooled, but I, and I was always committed to being a Christian. I mean, from day one to now committed Jesus follower all the way through. So I say that because I grew up in these spaces. I understand these spaces. You know, my dad was a blue collar worker, taught me the, the, the ethic of hard work. I would uh, go on field trips, which was working with him on the job site, listening to Ooh. Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity. I mean, that's just the world I inhabited and I grew up in. And I say that because I think sometimes people see or like the work that we do or they hear the, or they hear me say deconstruction. They think that I'm just, you know, some person who has no clue what I'm talking about. But really, I was deeply embedded in these spaces. Um, I also listened to Ravi Zacharias uh, every every time the podcast episode dropped. I mean, I was I was reading Lee Strobel books. You know, I really I was reading um, um, Paul Washer sermons and listening to them and reading this book. I mean, I was all in. Um, I, I have found that in my experience. I think that that, there, that that one of the core issues to why you're never going to see polygraphs instituted in the evangelical church widely is because I and I mean this sincerely, I don't think that evangelicalism has the ability to self-reflect and really take ownership when they drop the ball big time. Uh, it takes a lot, a lot. I mean, look at the SBC. It took almost a decade for them to finally admit that yes, actually, we've known about this for a long time and have just kind of covered it up. Uh, and that was only because of public pressure and survivors coming forward. And then I think about too, like for me, I think what was confusing was growing up in spaces that hammered repentance and asking God for forgiveness and admitting that I'm wrong and, and turning and going away from my sin and that leaders are held to a higher standard. And if I was going to volunteer as the drummer on the worship team, I had to live a, a life of integrity. And then you have these pastors in these, in these positions that clearly don't do that. And then people say, well, they're not perfect. It's like, what? Like these <laughs> standards, they, these standards don't add up for me. Not to mention, we could speak it in very blunt terms. You know, the Bible in this case, I think Paul's pretty darn clear in 1 Corinthians 5. He spells out the whole case that, that people are called to hold the church accountable, not the world accountable. You can read it for yourself. He he has this whole story, right? A man who's sleeping, I think, with his mother-in-law, and the church celebrates it. And he goes, he, he says, hand this man over to Satan, which is really a way of, of saying, in, in, an, in an honor-shame culture, it's a way of saying, shame him to repentance. That's how the culture operated back then. And he says... I, I did not tell you not to associate with, with anyone who's sexually immoral because if you if that was the standard, you you can associate with anyone because the world has their problems. But judge those in the church and cast those outside of the church who do that. And so it's very clear in my opinion. you know. And I think personally that the evangelical tr- tradition I grew up in has it inverted. They have a megaphone screaming at the world for all of what they think is perverse or sexually immoral. Meanwhile, inside, they really allow leaders to get away with sometimes legitimate murder, uh, if, if not the abuse of children. And to me, I just said, I'm sorry, my love for Jesus, I, I take his words seriously. There's a problem here. There's no sense of repentance or wanting to change. I have to find better ways of being Christian going forward. Well, this is good. And, I'm, and I hope people hear your heart and, and understand um, because you can't dismiss Tim's position because of where he's come from. And he's not, I wouldn't put him into the, the easy camp of, well, in the last days, people would fall from the, you know, <laughs> folks, yeah. it, it, you can't do that with Tim. He's, he's a dangerous man. Again, <laughs> we won't be able to discuss the things we don't agree on 
on this podcast, uh, on this show, but but we will. Like why you voted for Biden. So the other yes. things. Let's talk is, about that. Yeah, not not today. Stop oh, it. We Knock can't? it off. Oh, no. Okay. I was all right. Fine. I, 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 I've got someone. <laughs> uh, but that that's when, folks. I'm going to get in someone else so we can just really, uh, the three of us. I'll moderate. You know, strong differing positions when it comes to politics. When it comes time for civic leadership, because I think that's where people. Uh, are are befuddled by how some of the younger generation doesn't take a stand on issues that matter to us, just like they matter to your generation. But it is so worth talking about, not yelling at each other about, but talking about. And I'll be the first to admit, Tim, on like the, obviously, i friends with, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that triggered you. <laughs> Literally, you're like, you're friends with Charlie Kirk? I go, yeah, yeah. Turning point, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, to your to your credit, you had a good conversation with one of the leaders to help understand more their positions. Because don't you think we just lazy people uh, uh, come intellectually uh, or fearful people they come at things from an opposite, and they're not willing to discuss or find out the truth. They just want to hammer, and it's easy, especially on social media, where we're just chunking grenades. And uh, some do it for clickbait, some do it for you know other reasons. But it, I think people listening to you and understanding your background and what we believe on will really be interested to hear a good, honest positional debate on different uh, issues. Well, I think the key on my end, you know, just to be transparent with you, and I'm not going to go into any of those weeds that you mentioned, um, but, you know, I, I don't really debate. Like, that's just not how I operate. You can even listen, like right, I said, to our right. podcast. We've had folks who we don't agree with. We just, we talk. And the reason why okay. I say that, is, I, 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 there, there's a reason why I say that. I have found that in, in a media-driven world, um, it, it sounds like there are certain people who are just looking to win the conversation. They, right, they, they right, want that right. slam dunk talking point that just is like, yeah, my side just really got one over on that guy. And I don't think that is honest, right? I don't think that is yeah, an I honest agree. discussion. And so even, you know, even like you mentioned, you know, Charlie Kirk, you know, I, yes, the reason why I personally have a hard time with that person is because I don't know if I would trust him to have a good discussion with me because I know he has a base he has to cater to. I don't have that problem because I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, a little, um, tadpole. Piranha. You know? You're a piranha. Yeah. You're oh, a piranha. piranda, brother. Oh yeah. yeah that's me. I the piranha. ain't saying tadpole. <laughs> Better be careful sticking your hand in that water with Tim. <laughs> Well, and and I agree with you. The, the talking, that's all I do. Uh, that probably was a not a good term, debate. But I uh, conversations matter. And, yes, you yes. know, from my perspective, uh, that w we have a mutual – do you know, uh, gosh, Ruslan? Is it oh, Art, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know right, him. Right, right. Um, yeah, we chat. Okay, so, you know, how we met is he, he wrote something – on my page and I was actually being bombarded by some Russian stuff and cause we're international. And I thought he was, oh, right. I, I literally thought he was some Russian who was just, <laughs> so I was like, Hey man, you know, slow your roll. And he kept hammering. So I deleted him. I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, there's no room for this. <laughs> he, the next thing you know, I get a video from somebody that says, do you know this guy? He's a podcaster out of San Diego. He just called you a coward. He made a video and called you a coward. I said, really? Uh, no. And then I put it all together. I watched the video and I was, I laughed my head off. But like you, I went, whoa, this is a younger guy. I started watching some of his stuff. I went, that's a younger guy who's, he, he's being intellectually honest. I think he's misguided on some things, but Wow. Uh, he could be a force to be reckoned with. So guess what? I contacted him. And I said, hey, I'm the guy you called a coward. Watch this video and then let me know if you still feel that way. Because I think you made an uninformed decision. 
But if you watch the video and then you say, you are a coward, you're just this old geezer, I said, you'll have no rebuttal for me. And he watched it to his credit. He made a quick video, put it up on his channel and said, well, I, I, I did not know this guy that I, and I thought, see, I knew that was in him. And we became friends. And he goes, you know what? Tension I've had with people, people don't call me. People don't call. And I go, right. yeah, that, that they're missing an opportunity. Now, if it's a person that you think you're going to get nowhere with, then you don't waste the time. Sure. But, I mean, that, uh, that, that's yeah. a lot of my conversations. And frankly, you're right. Listen, I've had to admit before that I, I'm wrong because I'm human. In fact, some, one time I, I made a reel calling out a megachurch pastor, and he messaged me saying, hey, I think you really misinterpreted the, the, the clip. I said, well, if you'll talk to me, I'll take it down. He goes, deal. So we talked, and we actually keep in touch to this day via text See? message. Yeah, and I, I, have, I think that's so I have cool. found that, you know— um, yeah, that, that's what gives me hope is people who are able to say, listen, like I'm not claiming to have the lockdown on, 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 on some new truth that somehow no one else has, but me, the world is bigger than any one of us. And so is the Christian tradition, by the way, way bigger. And we have to be a little humble before we approach, you know, a very complicated, rich, uh, tradition that spans, you know, millennia and culture and context, et cetera. So that helps me, I think, move forward in good faith because I'm not really looking to win, uh, people want my perspective. Sure, I'll share it with you. And listen, yeah. you don't have to agree. That's totally fine. We can move on and shake hands, but, we, we, but there's no reason to dehumanize the other because I think ultimately dehumanization of the other is what leads to violence. And I think that participates in the cycle of chaos that God is trying to get out of his good earth. So I want to participate in cycles of order and of goodness. And I think dehumanization is the beginning to repeating the cycles that we're all trying to stop. But inadvertently, sometimes we actually are part of that cycle as well. Yeah, I love that. We, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just say this before we close because I have a couple of questions I ask all my guests, but I got really humbled uh, in two places, and I won't give the whole story, but the first one was in a mosque hmm. where I was brought into a mosque in Iraq under the most extreme situations, and I, uh, I'll never forget the Holy Spirit, which I believe in. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Can we say that? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Spoke to my heart, just prompted me and said, look at these men. You thought they're all here because of duty. There are some here because of just devotion, and they're weeping. They've washed their hands and feet before they approach me because this is the only way they know how. I, I Great conviction. Because hmm. I went in there thinking – you know, if only you guys knew what I knew. And then yeah. the second place was at the birthplace of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, where the Orthodox and the, you know, uh, that whole deal. And the two things I took away from that was, oh, my gosh, we evangel evangelicals are arrogant. We are not even, you know, junior hires in this game. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yep. And then uh, the, the second part was how, you know, the traditions of church still hate each other so greatly. They can't even cross the floor. They have different entries to see the birthplace yeah. of Jesus. I thought, wow, okay, well, yeah. you guys are messed up. So it's, it's a good conversation uh, that matters. And I appreciate you coming on because one it takes courage and i know that sounds like for somebody like you like what no that it does there's a lot of people that would not uh it, you know i think because i just exude testosterone and masculinity that's definitely uh, it yeah definitely is that it's it's the bulletproof would, vest that that really gives it away for me yeah could you pull up the cover your tattoo because you ruined my oh, whole image my bad, if my people bad. if you're listening you got to see the video of this He's he he runt all all my <laughs> guys got more ink than me. Okay, two uh, two questions. The first one is based on perception. Most people make decisions based on your perception. You True. don't you, and and you, unless you did some type of in depth research, you really don't know a lot. But I ask all my guests, what is your perception of me and what I do in our organization? 
Yeah, you're a hard one for me to pin down. I, I don't really know a ton about you besides what we've talked about, but based on what you said, it looks like you are someone, uh, in, you run an organization that is built on protecting the most vulnerable among us. That's my best guess. And I think you're actually intellectually honest, even if you have some convictions that I wouldn't find, you know, um, um, you know, convincing. But I think that you got there because you thought through them, not because you believe talking points or dogma. So you seem like, like you're someone who engages good faith dialogue and is willing to coexist with folks who might not see it the same way without calling them a demon or, you know, something like that, which I really appreciate. Well, not on my first podcast with them. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta reel me in real slow, right? Yeah, yeah I, I'm by safe. The third I'm one, good. <laughs> yeah, by the third one, you, you'll you're be gonna repentive drop Charlie, you're, you're gonna drop Charlie Kirk all of a sudden. I'm like, what? What's going on? Yeah. Why is Charlie you, Kirk here? <laughs> yeah, you. I'm gonna have you wearing a MAGA hat. Uh, <laughs> uh, where, where I have, where I unintentionally but could care less offend some people is is uh, there's a group called Gays Against Groomers. Oh, I know and, who they are. Yeah, so when they first started up, I promoted them on, mm. my, on my platforms. And y- you don't do that as a super conservative evangelical. You don't do that because they're gay. Right. God bless America, gay people. Right. They're, and and, and uh, one of the fellas, I'm like, dude, you're queer than a $3 bill, but you're honest. And you care about kids. And quite honestly, most of you guys are doing more than pastors that I know. I hold nothing but respect. And even though we don't agree in this area, I ain't dehumanizing y'all. Because uh, I've learned to fight an enemy of my you know, so-called enemy. And uh, physically, in real life, combat. Um, I remember you know, we were trying to rescue some women children. This was just a few years ago, and uh, I stood alongside the Hastashabi. I've stood along, which is an Iranian backed. I've stood next to the Peshmerga. I've stood next to Iraqi soldiers in order to defeat ISIS, a, a, a very evil, evil entity who were killing women and children, raping, sex, all that. So um, I just, I thought, man, may this be a lesson for people. And I never forget uh, Evan, who, who's one of the uh, lead guys. Evan just goes, Victor, we can disagree about all the things, da da da. He goes, but as long as you don't hurt me or someone else, there's no reason why we can't do work together. And I was like, that's so simple. Mm. But yet, that's what some people like uh, in the extreme position by downing people who don't agree with them. Um, anyway, I love those guys and gals and I appreciate what they do, uh, again, to the cause of helping, um, and again, allies and we can work together for a greater good, disagree on a bunch of stuff and go, well, yeah, that's just like Muslim friends. I had a, I had a Muslim guy. We never argued all of our time together. And then one night over dinner, we started talking about the cross, talked about Jesus and he started getting offended and angry at Mm. the cross. And I said, I'm not here to argue. You know I'm not here to argue, but you know my position and belief in Christ. And then he was so aggravated, and he hates the Jews, right? The Jews. And mm. he goes, he goes, but the Jews did kill Jesus. And I went, you got me there. You got me there. You're you're right. They did. And we laughed. We We had to laugh at it. So last question. I have two minutes left. For Tim, right. a dad, a husband, a guy leading an organization, really a ministry, we're all going to die. What mm-hmm. happens to Tim when you close your eyes for the last time, and why do you believe it? Um, I, I don't know. I think I think I mean I have hunches maybe um, I I just to be transparent with your audience I no longer believe in eternal conscious torment I don't think that that's a thing I think either a redemption of all things where we live in harmony with each other and with our Creator um, or I cease to exist I think those are one of my two options. Thank you. Uh, you wouldn't know this, but I interview people all the time from all walks of life, and you know what? I hear everything, and I never correct anyone. Because <laughs> that's what they believe, right? Yeah. And it's 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 not fair for me to. 
I've had, uh, and I mean, I've had some really well-known guests. I remember one guy near superhero status. When I asked him that question, he goes, well, I was watching an Eagle the other day. And I thought, I think I'm going to come back as an Eagle. He goes, that sounds peaceful. (laughs) And I said, man, thanks for sharing. So again, some in my world are like, give them the gospel, hammer them. I'm like, no, (laughs) I've learned traveling the world. The Holy Spirit is a whole lot bigger than me. Yes. It's like you said, I have positions and want to believe in convictions. Sure. Uh, but my gosh, God's a, a gentle God. And I've, I've said things that could have gotten me killed. And I said them because I felt like I was supposed to. But it's all mm-hmm. based out of love. And that's mm-hmm. what I think the church in America needs to go back to. I mean, there is, and sometimes love is, is, is harsh when holding people accountable. And that's how we started the whole deal because I don't believe in, uh, uh, you know, a sloppy agape. Uh, because they want uh, they want to apply that, and I go, well, it doesn't work when somebody's raping a child, mm. which I know about, because mm. I was abused and left for dead as a kid in a commercial mm. cooler. I had 123 visits to a trauma specialist. My mother married six times. My father was a drug dealer and a pimp, and I believe that riddle that Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put them together again, but 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 the king did. He put me back together. Hmm. And I'm living proof that God can unscramble eggs. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I tell people that's why sometimes people may take offense at my aggressive, protective nature. But I've lived it. I know what it's like to be shot at, mortared, in order to recover or rescue kids and stand against the face of evil. And I'll close with this for everyone. I had what I call a super apostle ask me one time, well, Victor, all the time you spend overseas, because we still have a home in Iraq, they asked me, are you preaching? Are you preaching the gospel to all the Muslims? And I simply responded by saying, my friend, I've been reduced to living it. Hmm. Folks, thank you for joining us on this edition with my special guest, Tim Whitaker. You can find them on Instagram. Tim, what's your website if people want to find your heresy? <laughs> yes, uh, if you want to become a heretic like me, uh, <laughs> thenewevangelicals.com. Anywhere that, that the New Evangelicals is, anywhere is pretty much us at this point. So that's us. Good for y'all. And, hey, I, I do appreciate the way you've changed some of your messaging. You know, <laughs> if you were an enemy, I wouldn't tell you because it's it's actually becoming more effective. <laughs> I'm always but, trying new things, you know. <laughs> uh, it's it's working. Folks, wherever you are, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and do it full throttle. I think that brings him glory and satisfaction for your soul. God bless you guys. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.